Hey, murder lovers, my name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. We're doing a little bit different format this time based on your feedback. So again, we do this for you and we are listening and trying to make changes as we go. So this time around, we're going to keep it short at the beginning. Stick around after the case. If you want to hear us spill the tea, talk about news cases, talk about recommendations for shows like we always do so stick around till the end yeah this came from an instagram story that i posted asking you guys if you like the chit chat everybody basically said yes but we had a subscriber emily who was like i love when you guys talk but i love it at the end and i was like that makes more sense. We're warmed all right. up. All right. We'll we're do it at the end. We're a little loose and we're ready to chat more at the end. So that totally makes sense. So great suggestion and we're going to roll with it. Yeah. Also, if you guys can think of a name of what we should call that at the end. Yeah. I'm that's, open that's suggestions. Segment. Give us a name. Yeah. Something like spill the tea, but like make it true crimey. I don't know. Hmm. Spill the luminal. Spill the wine. Wow. We went two different directions yeah, we did. with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Okay, so my story today. I got a text the other night. This is just, yeah, the story is necessary. So I got a text the other night from an unknown number. Like, it's not saved in my phone. Okay. And it was like, check out the Dana Laskowski story. Not sure if I spelled that right. And I was like, hi, who is this? (laughs) New phone, who this? Yeah, so I was like, okay, you're telling me to check out a murder. Yeah. Which, like... Means that you must know me. Right. But, like, <laughs> who you? Why should I check this out? And then they said, ha, 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 it's a secret. And I go, well, it's a oh. guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it is obviously a guy because women don't do that to we each don't other. Play those I games. was like, no, it's not. Um, it was the person that I refer affectionately to my brother in law. So, okay. my. So it was a guy. (laughs) My chosen sister. Yes. My chosen sister, Amy. Her husband texted me. That's funny. So this is our Mondo story suggestion, but thank you for being a complete creep in the process. (laughs) (laughs) And sending me scary messages at 10 o'clock at night when I'm at home by myself. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much. But yes, this is his story suggestion. So. Thank you. Thank you, Armando. This is the murder of Dana Laskowski. It took place in Washington, and Dana Lazowski was 36 years old, and she didn't show up for work on August 31st of 2001, oh. which I feel like that was one of the things we talked about at the beginning of the pandemic. It was like, Check now, on your friends. now when people don't show up for work, there's mm-hmm. nobody to sit there and be like, hello. Right. But she worked as a nanny, so like... Her absence is missed. Yes, it's noted, it's missed, and the employers are like, no, 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 like, she would never just not show up and not say something to us, and, like, I feel like it's more of a, like, close-knit working situation. It's not just, like, it's not just a no-call, no-show type thing. Right. You're not working at McDonald's. Yeah. Right. They tried to check in with her didn't get anywhere her neighbors then i don't know if like the the employers alerted the neighbors or what exactly happened but the neighbors also tried to check in and nobody answered the door so they were like okay something's not right so the cops actually were called by her employer and they were like these are the things that have happened it's super unusual that she doesn't show up for work like trust me something is not right so the cops show up to do a wellness check and they check the property and the back door is open so they're like all right, something's yeah. something is afoot. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> so the police enter and they find Dana lying dead on the living room couch. Oh, right away. Yeah. And remember, she's 36. Right. Her body is like really twisted awkwardly. So she's lying face down. She's got one arm twisted behind her back and the other one in front of her face. And there is blood spattered on the carpet. There's also bruises on her neck, her elbows, and her knees. And there's blood in her mouth. So immediately, investigators are like, something looks like foul play. And just like the way her like torso is kind of like almost like twisted. Yeah. Like it's not, she's not just like face down. Right. Like her torso's twisted, her arms are twisted. And not as you would find somebody that's just, like... Fell or something. Right, exactly. So they're like, okay, this isn't looking right. So an autopsy is performed, because they have just, like, absolutely no leads on this. An autopsy is performed, and the cause of death is ruled as strangulation. Whoa. Um, The neck itself was very badly injured from being strangled. And so based on the injuries and the damage to the neck the autopsy technician was able to determine that the person that they're looking for is somebody that is very physically strong. Oh, okay. And able to cause quite a bit of damage just with upper body strength. So the police are like, cool, that's our first lead. Um, So let's start looking into all the men in her life, right? Sure. So Dana is a single mom and she has triplets. Whoa. She is an artist just like her dad. And she had had trouble conceiving with her first husband, Sam. She underwent fertility treatments and then ended up becoming pregnant with triplets. Sam and Dana eventually separated. So the stress of having multiples and kids just Mm -hmm. kind of unfortunately got the best of them. They did separate. They kind of shared custody of the kids or whatever, but Sam, they for the most part seemed to have kind of like cordial relationship but not like like a parent relationship yeah i mean they tried to make the best of the situation but they definitely weren't through the worst of it yet they weren't just like the best co-parents ever type thing so um they were still kind of working some things out dana when she had the kids like that was her primary responsibility when she didn't um her niece kind of came and went very often her niece was named amanda um she was kind of a problematic teenager she ran away from home very frequently. Dana would let Amanda stay with her so she wouldn't go other places and get in mm. trouble. So D- Amanda and her friends would often come visit Dana, and that was kind of like their safe space. Um, Amanda had a very close bond with Dana, um, and she'd bring, like I said, she brought her friends over often. The girls would always confide in Dana, and she was kind of like their mentor. So the police were like, all right, these are kind of the people that are in the house. It's like the kids... Maybe ex-husbands coming and going. The niece is there every once in a while. So, like, let's start with the ex-husband because we're looking for somebody that's, like, strong Strong guy. Strong and has upper body strength. Yeah. So they go and they question Sam. And they basically tell him, you know, like, this isn't a burglary gone wrong. This is, you know, there's no sign that anything's really been stolen or anything like that. This is something personal. Everything. Yes, exactly what's been going on? Where you been? And he was like, well, it actually took them a few days to track him down. Oh, okay. So they're like, all right, is he on the run or whatever? And then he just kind of like pops back up and he reaches out to them and they're like, where you been? Right. And he's like, I've been camping. He had taken the triplets. He had the kids at the time that this happened and he had taken the kids uh, camping and was basically off the grid. 
And the investigators were like, huh, mm. that chance. So they're like, yeah. prove it. Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> Start a fire right now. <laughs> and he, like, he was kind of, like, very put off by this because he's like, well, I reached out to you guys. And they're, you know, they're like, well, we need to eliminate people. So... They go and they meet with him. They go to his house and, like, sit down with him. They notice that he has abrasions on his knees. um, But he's like, nope, that's from playing baseball. And they're like, okay, well, tell us about your relationship with Dana. So he describes their relationship as civil but strained. um, That they were still trying to navigate the whole co-parenting thing and everything like that. And do what was best for the triplets. But they had, you know, obviously their challenges with communication and everything. And so they asked for a DNA sample. He was like, no. Oh. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's suspicious. <laughs> Pass. And sure. so they're like, can you prove to us where you were? And so he shows like a receipt of him getting gas. Okay. Prior to them going camping. Hmm. And they're like, all right, well, that could, you know, by the time he gets gas and the time that he got gas versus the time of death that they had, it would be running in a very tight window. And then okay. for him to make it back home, pick up the triplets and then go camping, it was like things. I mean, there was literally a room for error by like 10 minutes, but they okay. were like, okay, it's possible. Sure. Not plausible, but possible. Okay. Yeah. That so they were a quick job inside the house to do all that. Yeah. They weren't really willing to rule him out altogether, but he was kind of looking less and less likely They just really didn't love the idea that he was refusing a DNA sample. But the police did their due diligence in this situation. They didn't fixate on this, which I feel like is a mistake that we see people often make is they, like, see the suspect and they're like, you are the only option. And then everything has to fit that narrative. Right. Or they make it fit. Scott Peterson. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, so they make it fit that narrative. They didn't do that in this situation. So... The police are like, all right, so let's go talk to Amanda then, because Amanda is, you know, at the house and maybe she would have some ideas. So they interview Amanda and Amanda's like, I have no idea where this could be coming from. And she just like had absolutely no leads. She's just like, I I don't know. Sure. No idea. And so the police are like, all right, well, let's go talk to people who she nannies for. Ah. So they go and talk to the couple that they nanny for. And the couple is like, yes, she has a stalker. (gasps) Oh, dun, dun, dun. I did not see that coming. Yep. So Patrick was the cable man in the neighborhood. And she actually at one point told her employers that if anything ever happened to her, it was him. Oh, wow. She was like, this guy is no good. He had been to the house, obviously, to install her cable. And he had kind of become infatuated with her. She's newly separated. So she was like... Nah, I'm still trying to like, yeah, still trying to figure out who I am as a single person, get my feet under me. I have triplets, like, there's a lot going on. Not an ideal situation. I'm not ready to date at all. I think this was like a month after her separation. She was like, I just need cable. Yeah, she was like, I'm just like, I need to watch a movie. I just need to watch Snapped so I know how to handle this. Get relaxed a little bit. (laughs) And so he like kept at it. For over a month, despite her rejecting him, he would leave notes, he would leave flowers on her back porch, and she was like, no, like, I'm good, no. And so then he started to, like, kind of take it personally. Yeah. So then the notes that he started leaving 
from that point they switched from being kind of like the oh, romantic no. type like pursuing to sure. being threatening yeah um and they had indications that he was watching her like they would either kind of allude to things that she had done in her house or like basically he would in some sort of way say that he i know what you've been doing yeah exactly so she was feeling less and less secure in this situation and in the meantime he had managed to get a hold of her phone number i'm guessing through like her signing up for cable and everything that's all on there and he was calling her obsessively like to the point where it was like 80 times a day and she was absolutely over it um he drove a white van Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all the standard. Um, he drove a white van and they, he had some witnesses, or not he, but there were some witnesses that said a white van had been parked in the alley behind her house the night of the murder. Mm. So the police are like, all right, we got our guy. Yep. So they get a search warrant and a court order for DNA. Patrick was super uncooperative because he was like, I don't know what you're doing here and why you're searching my house and what this is all about, but absolutely not. And then the police basically broke the news to him that she was dead. And he acted like his world had been shattered. He had no idea from what it seemed. Hmm. Like, just completely, like, the rug had been ripped out from under him. And then he became super willing to help. Like, as soon as he was, like wait a minute, you're here looking at me because Dana's dead? Take everything you need. And he was like, yeah, like, here, look here, and here's my DNA. And, like, he all of a sudden became super willing to help. And so they're like, well, this is That's not what you were expected. Yeah. Yeah. So the police checked into him. He was able to provide an alibi, and his alibi checked out. What? And then they were actually able to rule out that the white van spotted in the neighborhood that night was not actually Patrick's. His had a very specific um, ladder okay. thing. Holder. Yeah. yeah. And the van that was spotted did not. And there was footage, I think, of oh, the van. So they were sure. like, they confirmed it. So they were like, all right, well, now what? So Dana had herself a little man. Oh. And his name was Michael. Okay. He lived in Canada. Which from Washington is not that far of no. a distance. She lived in Puyallup and he, like, so. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah, like, very close. For sure. Yeah. They had a long distance relationship. He was kind of, like, immature. She said that he partied like a teenager and she was just kind of like, ugh, grow up, you know? Yeah, she's and 36. So, yeah. yeah. They had had some trouble with that, with him being kind of, like, in this eternal frat boy stage and she's mm. just, like, too old for it. The detectives that looked into the case also found out that Michael was a heavy drug user. On paper, is not looking so great. So okay. heavy drug user, partier. They had been having a lot of fights and everything like that. So they called him and they're like, we need to talk. The detectives, along the way of investigating, found out that Dana had actually cheated on him and had a one-night stand while they were dating. Ooh. And so the detectives were like, okay, we have a motive. Motive? Yeah, because sure. he's going to be pissed when if and when he find found out that Dana was right. cheating on him or whatever so the detectives actually went to Canada to meet with him and he was emotional and distraught and he said that he had lost the love of his life he knew about the cheating but that said that they had moved past it and on the night that she was murdered they had had a conversation but it ended really badly they had been in a fight that night 
Okay. So he actually got into his car and began driving to Washington because <gasps> he was like, I'm not going to have it. And like this, like, we need to talk or whatever. Okay. Starts to drive to Washington and Border Patrol stops him. Oh, okay. So Border Patrol stops him due to some legal issues in Canada, probably related to his heavy drug use. Probably. And Border Patrol has evidence that they turned him away at the border. Really? And they were like, you need to get your life together, he sir. Was denied Go handle entry. everything. Okay. Yeah, denied entry into the U.S. So he's ruled out. And so detectives wow. are like, son of a bitch. So they, then they go and look at the guy that she had the one night stand with. And that also ends up being a dead end. They're just hitting dead end after dead end here. Yeah. So it's been like a month. And so I think at this point it's been 34 days. And so she, Dana's body is still being held at the funeral home. It hasn't actually buried, been buried yet. And so the detectives go over to the funeral home and there's a guest book there because I think she was doing like open casket Ooh, type thing. Okay. So they start going through the guest book and her niece had written a, ro- a note, Amanda. Okay. And it said, I'm so sorry <gasps> I wasn't a better niece for you. 34 days clean and sober and it's all for you. And so they timeline that and they're like, 34 days is the day she was murdered. Uh Uh-oh. So she got clean and sober right after she got murdered. Right. (laughs) Well, Hmm. that seems interesting. So they're like, all right, we need to go talk to Amanda because it sounds like she's feeling guilty about something. How old is she again? Uh, she's 16, I think. 16 oh, wow. or 17. Yeah, she, I remember she's young. Yeah. Okay. What also is weird is that it's been 34 days since the murder, and Amanda's going back to the funeral home 34, 34 days, days later yeah. to write this message in the guest book, and they're like, she obviously has some guilt about something. Right. They ask Amanda to come in for questioning, and... Apparently, she had been getting in quite a bit of trouble since the murder. She was hanging out in Pioneer Park, and apparently, like, that's where, like, the troubled kids hang out. Okay. Um, they're called, like, park rats or whatever. I was oh. like, ooh, and creative name. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and the detectives ask Amanda if she has any friends that she'd brought over to Dana's house that had a lot of upper body strength and a hot temper. Oh. And Amanda's like, well, yeah, my friend Blaine. And she says that Blaine had actually come on to her she had rejected him, and then he had attacked her on a couch. And they were like, uh-oh. Well, Dana was attacked on a couch. Right. And so Amanda was like, well, yeah, I could see, like, if Blaine made a pass at her, and she was like, no, no, sweet child. Like, that's not going to happen. How he might, like, do the same thing. React the same way. Right. Yeah. So they start looking into Blaine, and Amanda had said, you know, right after the murder, I was outside outside of my aunt's house in Blaine she ran into Blaine because the park is right in that same neighborhood okay. or whatever and she was like he did have scratches on his arm and she said she didn't think much of it but that that was there after the murder and she didn't really even question it Just didn't she, put it together yeah. and so the detectives were like alright cool we need to look into this guy and so Blaine has a violent past and an extensive criminal history of drugs and gun charges and all kinds of fun things. And now, weirdly enough, he's living across the United States. Oh. Like, he's kind of he taken moved. off. Yeah. And so the detectives were trying to have him come back to, like, be questioned or whatever. And he was like, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. 
not going to do that. And so the cops are like, cool, like, we're going to start talking to your people or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that one of his very good friends is actually serving a prison sentence in Washington. And they're like, all right, we're just going to sit down with this guy then and see if this is even worth us putting in the time and effort to have him extradited. So they sit down with this friend who is being held in prison. And they're like, tell me more about this Blaine guy. And the inmate's like, tell me why. Like, why are okay. you looking at him? And they're like, we're investigating the murder of Dana Lasowski or whatever. And they're like, this is, you know, the lead that we're following up on. And the, the inmate goes, you have the wrong guy. No way. Yeah. Again? And they're like, the guy knows. He knows the whole story. And he was like, you are absolutely looking at the wrong person. And he says, you need to talk to a girl named Emily. Who fuck's Emily? Now, yeah, right? <laughs> so, Emily Lonborg, her last name is spelled L-A-U-E-N-B-O-R-G. She okay. used to come over with Amanda all the time. Like, Dana was kind of like a second mom to her. Like, the two of them would come oh, over God. there quite a bit. Okay. Emily would confide in Dana. Dana would, like, help them out, everything like that. Emily's literally, like, showered at her house, borrowed her clothes, like, things like that. They, okay. They... Are close. But Emily's always kind of been a little bit jealous of the fact that Amanda would sometimes ditch her to go hang out with her aunt or go to her oh aunt's house God. or whatever. Because Emily and Amanda are best friends. And she always just kind of felt like Amanda, if Amanda had to choose, she would choose Dana over her. Of course. And did not care for that one bit. Dana always treated Emily like a daughter, but that didn't really, like, the jealousy didn't really seem to get any better but the police were like why are we gonna talk to emily you know like she's she's a 17 year old girl emily's 17 oh my god 17 yeah they're like she's a 17 year old girl there's no way that that's even worth following up on because they're looking for somebody that has strong upper body strength right so the cops go back to the park and they're like all right let's talk to these like park rat kids or whatever and they start questioning the kids at the park and the kids are like you need to talk to Emily. And so the police are like, okay, so we keep being pointed back to this Emily person. So uh-uh. She obviously knows something. And they're like, listen, she uses a lot of drugs. And she goes by the nickname The Mutant because the of fuck? her freakish upper body strength. Oh. This girl is as strong as they come. The Mutant. Oh yeah. Oh, my God. She actually had perfected a chokehold that she had used on guys at the park. And could knock anybody unconscious with it. And she was just, like, out of control strong. And so the police were like, well, that's what we're looking for. Like, that that matches. So they bring in Emily. And Emily is like, no, no, no. Not me. But she can't provide provide an alibi. We believe you. Yeah. And so the police search Emily's house. And they find a diary that has a bucket list on it. And on the list, it says... To kill someone and no get away with it. fucking way. And then another journal who entry. Who puts that on their, like, who writes who, that down? Who makes that a bucket list item? Oh, my God. Kill someone and get away with it. Oh, God. And so another journal entry says that her and Amanda had had a fight and that Emily could, quote, strangle her just like her aunt. Oh. They also found a shirt that belonged to Dana. It was like a black shirt. 
And photos from the funeral showed that Emily had worn Dana's shirt to the funeral. And she had stolen that shirt from Dana's house. Oh, my God. And they were like, it's almost like she was flaunting something. Of course. So they arrested (laughs) Emily. And they actually brought charges against her for murder. But they were like, this is still, like, really circumstantial. They were really concerned that if they brought Emily on the stand... And, like, tried to present this as this 17-year-old right. strangled this woman to the point where she caused so much damage to the neck that it actually killed her that a jury wasn't going to buy it. They weren't going to be like, that 17-year-old? Like, that one? Right. Right there? They're, <laughs> no. No. And so they were like, all right, we got to, like, we really got to seal the deal here. Because everything they have at this point is, like, a diary says that she wanted to, but not that right. she did. And, like, yeah, she has a black shirt or whatever, but she could have just said, like, she she borrowed it or, right, you know, whatever. Yeah. So they're like, all right, we need to bring Amanda back in. So Amanda comes back in, and they basically lay it out for her. And they were like, we know it's Emily, and we know this is your friend. You brought her over and everything like that. And they just wear her down. And sure enough, Emily eventually – or I'm sorry, Amanda eventually breaks – and Amanda admits that they had been high that night and they'd gone to Dana's house and that Emily and her jealousy had been rude. And Dana was like, all right, you know what? I let you girls come here. I let you like stay here and have I a safe know. place. But right. if you're going to be disrespectful and you're going to be rude, like you need to get out. And Emily was just being a bratty teenager. A 17 year old. So Dana reached out and touched her arm to kind of like lead her towards the door. Uh-huh. And Emily lost her shit. And flew into a violent rage and then put her in a chokehold and even used her scarf to, like, <gasps> really seal the deal and strangle her to the point where she died. Oh, my God. And Amanda said that she couldn't watch it. I'm like, oh, worthless. She was like, couldn't watch it. It was so traumatizing or whatever. So she turned away, but she could hear Dana gasping and Choking. then heard a cracking noise. <gasps> And her gurgling before she, like, stopped making any sounds. And then the girls stole Dana's money to buy drugs. And they left. And Amanda told them, you know, she'd been jealous that Amanda had been ditching her for Dana. And that she had stayed quiet because her relationship with her parents was so bad. And she didn't want it to get worse if they blamed her for Dana's death. They ended up not charging Amanda with anything because they wanted her to testify as a witness. Gotcha. But prosecutors still, even with Amanda's story, didn't feel like this was a reliable witness because they were afraid that if Amanda was put on the stand, that she would switch her story to save her friendship with Emily Mm. if Emily's sitting in the courtroom. They're like, I have no confidence that this girl is going to do the right thing. And then they, so they were like, all right, let's play it by ear. And so Emily, they bring her in for her first court appearance and she sobs through the entire thing. Sobs. Like just broke down crying. And they were like, well, Well, we need you to talk. We have an unreliable witness, a 17 year old girl who's sobbing through her entire court appearance. Yeah. And they're like, this is just not going to work. They thought this is never going to get by on a trial. And so they actually offered Emily a plea bargain, and she pled guilty to the charge of manslaughter instead. She was sentenced to only seven years. Wow. She was released after five and a half. 
And she eventually, obviously, was released. She changed her name, got married, and now has kids of her own. Oh, my God. And is living a happy, free life. And that is the story of the murder of Dana Laskowski. That is bonkers. Isn't that wild? Every turn, I was like, we got him, we got him, we got him. She essentially got away with murder. Yeah, she actually kind of did, because she never actually, like, served a charge of murder. She pled guilty to manslaughter. Five and a half years? Manslaughter is is something that you don't do on purpose. Well, and when you're 17 years old and you're doing five and a half years, you're literally, like, you what, you get out at 23? Yeah, 22, 23. 22, 23. I'm, like, counting on my fingers. Yeah. like you haven't missed anything. You haven't missed anything. Those the iPhone updated a couple know? times at that right. point. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Like, and okay, maybe she did miss college, or maybe she went to prison and got a free education for all we know. Right. Free meals, roof over her head, probably got clean and sober. Yeah, which good for her on that part. But come on, like she I hope to be that, in there a lot longer. I hope that she like actually changed her life and made herself a good person but the fact that she served five and a half years for literally a brutal wrangling someone to death right something that takes purpose something that like she could have stopped mm-hmm. and the fact that the t- that the the niece no charges that's and crazy they gave her they did a bargain with her of no charges so she would testify but then she and doesn't then she end up testifying it. so it's like what was the point wow. in that she totally got the check off her bucket list item. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Yeah. Wild. That's crazy. I just, yeah. That one I, like... I wonder like, if she got charged as an adult because she, she was did. technically... Oh, she did. Mm-hmm. Okay. 17 and to do something like that to a yeah. 36-year-old mother of three... Man, the twists and turns on that one. Were I know because every single person, I was like, yeah. "All right, we got him, we got him," and then they bring in the seventeen-year-old, like, and I'm like, "Done." I'm like, "It's not going to be the teenage girl." Done. <laughs> Boyfriend that was cheated on. Done. Wow, and none of those. None of them. That goes to show that the police shouldn't just focus on. Although we all, you know, the prime suspect is always going to be someone that's close, a spouse, mm-hmm. you know, ex-spouse, etc. But. Well, this Obviously, is, in this case, it didn't pan out. Well, and that's where I'm like, the detectives did their job. Like, Absolutely. good job. They did what they were supposed to do, but it gets to the hands of the prosecutor and it all falls to pieces. I'm like, wow. There's just... Five and a half years. You're right. Yeah, she was out by 22 or 23. Changed her name, though. Changed wow. her name. Yeah. I can't believe that. I wonder if her husband even knows. I'm sure he does. That's always puzzled me. Like, that's puzzling. Like, would you tell someone, if you were convicted of a crime that's you know what? taking someone's life, whatever the charge, actual charge was, if you were convicted of taking someone's life, whether it was manslaughter or murder or et cetera, would you, if you had the opportunity to change your name yeah. and essentially live a new life that you didn't have to tell anyone, mm-hmm. would you tell someone who you're trying to spend the rest of your life you with you and grow alive but would you though that's so crazy to think well and i would what's so interesting like, is it would like, eat me alive i feel like women are much more accepting of this than men like women are like he's different he's changed <laughs> like 
And I feel like men are going to be like, no. Grades, bitch. No, now I yeah. have to sleep with one eye open all the time mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, I think women are much more forgiving in that aspect right. and maybe a little naive in that aspect. Um, but it is, it is interesting. Like, I feel like if anyone was going to lie about that situation, it would be more likely a woman would lie to the man than a man would lie to the mm-hmm. woman. Because I think the different genders right. would be and less willing be to perceived. accept. Yeah. For sure. And how it's going to be, uh, how it's going to affect their day-to-day lives. Because I mean, women are the ones that write those men in prison and they're like, you're oh, so I sexy. Know. Oh, God. <laughs> Richard oh, you, Ramirez you murdered so... 13 people? He's just God. misunderstood. So freaking stupid. I mean, freaking Ted Bundy got his chick pregnant when he was in prison. Oh, you. And she was like, I'm sure he was framed. You know, we should talk about that. Like the relationships that women have during while men are incarcerated. And I wonder, you know, it'd be fun to look into to see if it if there's ever men that write to women that are incarcerated for heinous, heinous crimes. Maybe that will be a good Patreon. Yeah, episode. that would be a good Patreon episode. We'll 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 do a little research on that to see what comes up, because I'd be interested to know. Because, of course, we know of like. What I, I and I will not take this back. Crazy women that are writing these men that have been incarcerated for really bad crimes, or as the woman on the Richard Ramirez documentary said, <laughs> "Crazy bitches." There's some <laughs> dumb bitches. Some dumb bitches. <laughs> um, and and mind you, in my day to day life, like I don't call female bitches. I really don't. You know that I don't. No, but the it's ones that are like, writing Richard Ramirez, but the Ramirez. ones that are crazy, you're a crazy bitch, and I will call you a crazy yeah. bitch. Um. But I'd be I'd be interested to know if there's because there's whole websites dedicated for men who are incarcerated. Yeah, I think there's to like match services. him up with women. Yeah. So I'd want to know if there's the opposite. Josh Duggar's probably on it right now. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So thanks for that case. That yeah. one was a topsy turvy moving roller coaster. Yeah, one. I felt like it was like totally twists cool. and turns. Right. And it all landed back to a 17-year-old. And, uh, yeah, an unassuming 17-year-old. And it's funny because it didn't, I mean, it did fit the profile as far as the physical, but not what you would normally expect. Right. I'm sure the they profile like, was made out to a man. They were like tall, strong big, person, strong. a man. Right. Hmm. It just goes to prove that women can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Anything they put their minds to. Anything a man can do, we can do too. (laughs) But get you a better nickname than the mutant, though. Yeah, that's a terrible nickname. All right. Um, Tea time? Yes. Maybe that's what Mm, we should call it. Tea tea time. time. Love it. (laughs) Kind of like that. Could it be our alibi? Oh, wow. She really does not look like herself anymore. Who? Um, Lori Vallow. Oh, no, she totally doesn't. I was watching this um, entire uh, progression of her from the initial arrest to now, and I think it's been a little over a year. Not too much time has passed but her hair color has changed a lot and there was people some some people they don't bleach you out in prison right they're like you know the her hair color is so different and she had to done it professionally done i'm like y'all her roots were coming in from day one and this yeah, is you just can grow see what's out left over in oh the yeah front. this is just total grow out and I, someone posted no that's for sure coffee ground brown like that ouch <laughs> Um, so Lori Vallow was de- deemed unfit to stand trial, that she was not um, competent enough to aid in her own defense. I so, mean, she is crazy. So um, 
podcast plug and then explanation. Um, Mommy's Doom, Mommy Doomsday is a really good podcast mm. about the Lori Vallow case specifically. So they just did an update on it. And this is what will happen at this point. So basically, okay. um, assuming that the prosecution doesn't fight it and everything like that. And even if they do fight it, let's say that they don't win. Because um, the prosecution is now at this point saying, like, no, 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 no. Like, we want her reevaluated by one of our experts. Oh, okay. So if their expert finds otherwise, then the court will at that point have to make a decision of whether or not she is actually unfit to stand trial. Um, assuming that they lose or assuming that they drop it at some point, what will happen is that Lori Vallow will undergo psychiatric treatment and medication until she is of the point where she is fit to stand trial. Okay. If, so it wouldn't be dropped completely. Right. No, no, no. It will not be dropped. It will be a matter of getting her to the point where she can aid in her own defense. Mm. And then she will at that point. Gotcha. If, for any reason, she is never... Or along the way, we get to the point where it's like, she's still not fit to stand trial. She will actually serve the rest of her life in a um, psychiatric ward. Oh. So she will basically be... Institutionalized. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So she will... Hmm. She'll be deemed a, um, a dangerous person. Like, dangerous to herself and others. Hmm. So she would not be allowed to go out into society or anything like that. And she will then be basically a prisoner of an institution. I mean, and that's kind of the whole point. Just get her out of society. No one wants her around. We don't want her around other children. We don't want right. her around herself, etc. So either way is fine with me. So I felt better after reading or yeah. after hearing that. I was like, that okay, I feel better happen. about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because I initially thought that them saying that she wasn't fit to stand trial, that the trial just would be never coming and that she would essentially get away with it and just be like she's not fit for trial so well it's good to hear that i kind of like hope that we do go through the process of her being at the point where she is fit to stand trial because let's say the prosecution wins and they're like no she is actually fit to stand trial if she were convicted at this point i can see the appeal already oh like, for sure it's coming so yeah it's better to have that once and for all, like, you're going to yeah. be institutionalized. Let's just go ahead and put you away. Or like, get you the help that you need so that at that point we can actually go through what we need you. to go through. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so she was only indicted for the kiddos, right? Yes. And he, he was indicted for the kids as well as his... Ex-wife. Uh, well, his late wife. Right. Yes. Because he wasn't married to Lori. And... No, he was married to Lori, oh, but he, he w- did not divorce this woman before she died. Oh, so it's not his ex-wife, oh, oh. it's his late wife. Oof, God. Did you hear that he, like, smiled and at one point laughed during his appearance? Oh, yeah, I did see pictures of that, and I was just like, oh. He looks like he's still being overfed. Turning. Absolutely. Another podcast that does a deep dive on this, I've said this before, and Kenzie will not agree, but go listen to Dr. Phil. <laughs> The eye rolls in this room. A couple different parts, like five or six different episodes on Lori Vallow. It was the Chris Watts story that you covered that I was like, ugh. God. He just, I think his, uh, his theatrics and his his... understanding of narcissism and stuff like that. I just don't agree with. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not an expert in any way, shape or form like he is. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't, I just don't agree. To, to be fair, he hasn't renewed his doctor license in like 
a decade. So he's probably lost touch with the books a bit. Although he did do, um, he did an, a, a Gypsy Rose analysis and mm. he said that um, this is like one of the very few things that I have like was like, Actually, like, yes, I could see that. He said Munchausen's by proxy, he does not classify as a mental disorder. He says it oh. is it is abuse. And that's all it is. It's a form of abuse. And it shouldn't be classified as a mental disorder. You are just I abusing your that. child. And I was like, I agree with you, Dr. Phil. I can see that. Yeah. For sure. Cut out my tongue for saying it, but I agree <laughs> with you, Dr. Phil. So. All right. I gave it- him that. Um, something that I watched based on your recommendation that I think Me? you were recommended by someone else too, the mayor of Easttown. Oh, that was Stephanie. Yeah. Oh, loved it. I, I, one day. Yep. That was it. I had I think to think a day and a half, but I had to stop because, um, and I put up a trigger warning on this one on our podcast or on our podcast Instagram. Cause I had recommended it to viewers before I fully watched it. I was like in episode two or something. Yeah. I got to episode six. Six, six, I want to say, said, yeah. and it literally went no spoilers, but it literally went from a scene of pretty graphic suicide to a scene of a pretty graphic overdose, mm-hmm. like within probably three or five minutes. And I yeah. was like, "All right, too much for me. Like yeah. that's not my headspace right now." Um, so I felt bad that I recommended it and then didn't like do the trigger. Yeah. yeah so but, you know, it's um, I think it was well done though. It's Kate Winslet. If you guys haven't watched she, it. HBO, bad as bitch. I called still her. Got it. I think it was Tadri. I called her an American treasure, and she was like, "Well, she's British," and I was like, "I stand by what I said. America loves her." <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I do not take it back. <laughs> I meant what I said. The plot is that she is the small town's detective. So, yes, go watch it. HBO. I wish I had a code for you. You get seven day free trial, I guess, if you want to, if you haven't signed up already based on our recommendations. Yeah. (laughs) HBO and Diet Coke, please sponsor us. Also, if you're not already a Patreon subscriber, you should be. There is a bonus episode over on there that got uploaded a week ago, two weeks ago, now that you guys are hearing this. Maybe. Yes. Three? Couple weeks. I don't know. A couple weeks old. Um, where we talk about what we would do for our last meal and famous last meals of people that are, you know, serve time on death row. Um, it's a good one, but if you're not already subscribed on the Patreon or signed up on the Patreon, you should, because we are going to put bonus content up there for you guys. That's true. Um, and speaking of, we have two Patreon shout outs. Woohoo! So first we have Shronda joining the Murder Lovers. Hey, welcome girl. Hey. And then Samantha also joining the Murder Lovers. Thanks, Samantha. So thank you both for Appreciate joining. You. And enjoy the bonus content. Yes. And we are getting ready to ship out stickers. stickers soon. So if you are signed up, regardless of the platform, you will probably be getting stickers here within the next few weeks. Yes. So do that. Thanks yes. so much. Patreon.com. Slash Stranger Danger. That's it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's a little, um, we're, we're doing things a little different this episode, so we're trying to make it flow. If you like us and would like to leave us a review, we would appreciate it so much. You can do that on the iTunes Apple Podcast app and just leave a review. Five stars is always appreciated. And a comment. I read them. We do. <laughs> I we do. really do. All right. And if you would like extra content or just follow us, Mackenzie has been posting a lot on Instagram. We have a Facebook page. You can follow us on all those platforms as well. Thank you so much, you guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.